Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast Fill in the Gaps. We are four experienced Cambridge certified teachers. We meet each week trying to fill in gaps related to issues in ELT with our own experiences. We are Alan, Semra, Fatma and Julia. We hope that our discussions will inspire you and help you navigate your way through different approaches in teaching. So let's get started. All right, so let's talk about online uh, testing. What do you guys think? Uh, what did you learn? Did you learn something? We, we, t- we Generally, you guys, we try to read something before uh, recording. So we kind of learn about different stuff, what the others have to say about the topic. What do you think? So the first term has come to an end um, at the schools and also at the universities. And traditionally, we would always do paper-based testing in the school, right? Um, But this year, because of the pandemic, this has changed and many institutions went on to test online. Um, I I must say I'm quite happy with the with the new version. I say that simply because I I haven't been involved thus far in any marking of any kind. Um, So I think I think straight away we've got um, we've got a reduction in workload in, in online testing systems. Uh, along with that, we have to accept that there are there are some things that, that you can't do with online testing that you can do in your face to face test. I think the the reason why I'm not doing any marking anymore is that our online tests are they're a lot simpler than the face to face version. Um, we don't have a we don't have a speaking test per se. There isn't a written test. So, so far this semester, the the assessments have been done mainly through just like multiple choice questions, uh, which can be marked on an optic system or, or marked through the, um, uh, the, on, the online test system itself. Reading and grammar based, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. fill in the gaps, basically. Obviously, I'm, I'm oversimplifying things. It's, you know, if you think of like a traditional proficiency exam or um, where you see kind of like <clears throat> questions where students have to infer information from from quite substantial paragraphs or replace missing sentences in paragraphs so th- th- there is there is some um, some higher level thinking involved rather than just filling in the gaps i mean it has its advantages because it saves time right it's not so time consuming for both teachers and students um, and on the other hand it's environmental friendly you're not using so much paper yeah but I guess I think there is a difference between um, taking an online test at home and taking an online test at an exam center, where I feel like the results are much more reliable because it's a controlled environment. The problem starts more when uh, we do the test at home because of the internet connection. You cannot ensure that everybody has a good connection. And also you cannot really know how much support the student is getting from online websites or stuff like that. So we have issues of reliability, I guess. Samra, I absolutely agree with you. I guess that uh, it's the thing about the reliability and administration mainly when we deal with online testing. And uh, here I would say that uh, when the institution decides to reach to some online testing, and uh, these days there is no other way out uh, rather than just to switch to online testing. And students, uh, when uh, students start doing those tests, they feel insecure because of the environment and some 
technical issues that might happen. So let's say from both sides, from the teachers and from the students' perspectives, we can see that uh, they experience and they might experience some uh, issues and some problems, that some obstacles that might make this test uh, less uh, um, less valid and with an examiner and uh, he is uh, the CAE examiner for writing part. He told me that uh, within some period of time uh, last year, they didn't, obviously we understand uh, what the reasons are, uh, they didn't have any tests to check and uh, they didn't have any students who wanted to and who could take the test. But at some point, they had a tremendous uh, amount of work and they really couldn't uh, keep up with the workflow that they had. So let's say it was quite challenging for many people. And uh, yet, we, if we compare the online and offline testing, probably um, these days, despite uh, the current situation, students tend to choose uh, the offline rather than online. What do you think? I would choose offline testing too, if I was a student, because, you know, the reliability is missing in online testing because you never know that it is the result of your students. It really shows your students' progress or it really tells you something about your education. It, it doesn't say anything. You can never be sure that the results belong to your it has a really negative effect on students who generally attend to classes because um, it is expected that they make some mistakes, right, in the exams, but the ones who uh, get help from some people or from some websites, they generally score higher. But the students who are actually, you know, putting some effort and trying to study have some mistakes. I mean, it's really demotivating for students too. But in a real classroom, the situation is, as you said, guys, it is controlled. You know, everybody is there. Everybody is doing, is showing their own knowledge on the test. So it's really understandable. You really need to be an IT manager at the same time. Check what is going on, what is going on, what is going on. And then um, this gets them kind of, it, their focus shifts from the exam to the technological part. So I just realized that right now, obviously, we are not prepared for that. And we just need so much more time, you know, but people who are taking the TOEFL exam. I mean, um, I must say some of them have taken the exam before and then they are taking it the second time. And, on, and because they have the option to choose between paper based or if they want to take it online, uh, it's more those people who are really confident in their own abilities who take the exam like that. Right. You know, I guess this this transparency to, to to online is just gonna it's gonna there's gonna be a a getting used to period for for everyone. You know, the the students, the teachers, um, administrative support services who who you know who create the tests, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I, I don't know. I guess um, it's about making sure that the people are aware of these issues before they are just thrown into this this new scenario. I, I watched an in, interesting webinar and, and in it they, they were talking about kind of like how we, we make things too complicated in online uh, teaching and, and online, online testing um, and how we need to just like wind things back a little bit and make them a little bit easier for everyone to understand. And before we do anything formal, 
like you say, Samra, you need to go through this training period with students and teachers um, with, you know, watered down versions of something that they can expect later. Um, so that when the real thing does come, it's not a, sh it's not a system shock and they're more comfortable with it. I guess it's like when you have anything new, you have to take baby steps at first. But I, I guess it just feels frustrating at the minute because it was all so quick, wasn't it? It's not like we had a, a build-up or anything. So was it so quick, I want to ask, because <laughs> I feel like we have neglected this part, don't you think? Like we have had technology in our lives for years and years, but somehow, I mean, we have used it, of course, in class to show videos and stuff like that, but, but we haven't used technology that much in teaching. And I feel like right now with the pandemic going on, because we have no other option, we are forced to deal with it, deal with it. The institutions are right now, I mean, my school, for example, and I think universities are trying to find better ways to do online testing. But if everything stops right now, if the pandemic is gone tomorrow, then I feel like we are just going to go back to the old traditional system. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, totally, we would go back to our old lives without technology i mean just uh some part of technology to uh, make us use instagram or other stuff but not to use it meaningfully or uh not to take advantage of it in really meaningful settings i mean it would be really adventurous ad advantages but it's just the problem with administrators too to ensure that everybody is doing the same thing i mean my institution have many, many teachers, like 200 teachers or so. So it's really hard for them. Some of them are really very good at using technology for this kind of stuff. But the other part, uh, they have no idea how to use it. So it's really stressful for them. So it means our, our teachers at school, they are trying to make it really, really easy for the other part of the teachers to use and to do the exams. So when you read it, it is really complicated. When you read the instructions, you're like, why are you writing this here? It's really easy. Why are you mentioning it? But they are just trying to make sure that everybody is you know, following the same steps. So it's a challenge for all of us. So Fatma, do you think, do you think the natural response is to go back to face-to-face -face teaching and just ditch the online option? Because like before, before I joined um, during my university, I was working at a language school, and um, this was what, three, three or four years ago. And when I had the interview, they said, "Have you ever done any online teaching?" And I said, "No, but I'm a really fast learner." And then the next week, I was teaching on Zoom, and I'd, I'd never, I'd never done it before. And for them, they they'd already found this opportunity that the online had opened for them. And they had they had like tens of classes, like all learning online from all over Turkey. And uh, it was a real business opportunity for them. I guess for them, they, they found a reason to be doing online lessons and it was money for institutions like ours. What's what's the reason? I, I think we've got to look at the, the benefits that are involved and think about all the students who don't have to relocate to a big city to go to their chosen university. I think it's a, it's a real plus. So I think many students are thinking, well, look, actually, I hope it doesn't change. I quite like this online system. No commute, no moving. I can stay with my family. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, it really depends on the perspective, doesn't it? Because you see it as an opportunity to take the advantage of online teaching and use it, you know, 
or give the opportunity for some students to get education. But the things that we do actually, we're just holding our breath, breath until it is over. You know, we are not improving anything. We're just waiting for the real thing uh, continues to start uh, again, the normal uh, teaching and learning. So I don't think any improvement is going on on my part in my institution. Uh, but it's totally understandable, you know, it's a big change and we are used to some old stuff, some traditional stuff. Uh, it takes time. Yeah, but I don't think really um, in terms of in improvement, nothing is going on. You know, there are many, I mean, uh, yeah, you experience online teaching in your classes and there are definitely some good parts and I would love to continue you know, um, I don't know, doing some presentations online or doing some uh, practice stuff online. Uh, it's easier. Definitely not testing, by the way. But some things would be great online. Are, are there any other benefits that, that we can, that we've experienced or we've seen through on, online testing systems? So we've talked about maybe some of its shortcomings, but um, maybe there are some advantages that we haven't covered. Absolutely. There is one that uh, I might mention, which is the, um, the price. We might say that not uh, many people have a chance to take this exam. And alternatively, these days, uh, there are other tests that uh, might be cheaper or lingua, um, the price of which is uh, just $49 in comparison to other tests that uh, are relatively more expensive and uh, they can come up to two hundred dollars uh, and uh, not everyone is able and uh, has this sum of money uh, to spend um, at the same time we may see that uh, we mentioned some things that might be difficult to administer uh, to administer but uh, at the same time I can see many benefits because, in fact, uh, due to the current tendencies that we have all over the world, especially in the United States, everything tends to become more robotic. And it means that uh, wherever we can, we will see that uh, uh, the interference of the human will be, um, will be put to the minimum. Which means, yes, there are some activities that uh, will be checked by the person, by us, by the teachers, examiners, and uh, these are definitely the speaking and the writing that cannot be checked by the system. Yet these days it's possible to do something like this with writing. And there is some um, artificial intelligence so far that uh, may approach even this task successfully, though it cannot be completed uh, 100% yet. And uh, obviously, probably it's uh, something what we may expect in the future. So in other words, we may see that if this process may um, help more people uh, take the exam, change their future, have access to online education, take the online test and uh, continue their education in uh, one of top-notch universities. Why not? Then it may be as one of the opportunities that Fatma mentioned. Though, of course, we need to consider the 
the disadvantages that may uh, that may pop up on the way. I had a question that uh, that kind of like follows on from all of this, and that's, we, we've talked about kind of like discrete testing, and we're thinking about you know the traditional exams. What about kind of like ongoing assessments? How is how is that transferred to, to your classes? Uh, Ellen, we had some quizzes when we uh, when we were uh, teaching face to face, you know, and then we had some tasks. We have similar things in online teaching. But even when we were teaching face-to-face, -face, we were having some problems with the homework students are uh, preparing because they were always using some uh, dictionaries and they were just using Google Translate. So uh, there, was, there was no way to know uh, the students' progress. So the same is here in online teaching. We have some quizzes. Uh, in no, in normal classes, uh, the quizzes were about listening, uh, you know, reading, grammar and vocabulary. Right now, we only have uh, quizzes for reading, grammar and vocabulary. That's all. And there is no way to know that the student is actually doing uh, answering the questions. And homework is another story. They're uploading some homework, but again, we don't know who is preparing that and it is really demotivating for teachers too because we are supposed to give feedback to those students and I don't even know whose work it is. So I, I, I mean uh, if some of the students were actually doing the homework themselves I think I, I assume that they started uh, getting some help from others because they were getting the lower grades. The others are getting the higher grades so they had to get some help from the websites or from other people. So I don't think it's really, um, in, you know, it's really telling us about something about our teaching or students' progress. It's, it's not really meaningful to me. So you're saying it's kind of like, it's, it still has the issues of the associated yeah. with face-to-face -face assessment. We're not, we're not quite sure who's done it um, and, where, and where it's come from, I guess. I, I noticed one one nice thing. I've been responsible for for speaking assessment over the last semester and probably for the next semester. And it it's not easy. It involves watching a lot of videos of students d discussing topics or presenting. And it's you know it's it's a long drawn out process. But um, doing it all through Google Classroom means um, anything. All, all my feedback, all my all my scoring, all my grading. It's recorded automatically and so when it came to the end of end of semester and i had to submit grades it was just like i exported all the information from google classroom bang I, you know it was it was done it was really easy whereas back in the old days i had scraps of paper with notes on and marks there were mistakes transferring marks from one place to the other this way it's just so much faster and, and smoother and uh, and dare i say a lot more accurate um, Alan, um, you mentioned a really interesting thing, and uh, what I would like to add, what I have tried, and uh, actually these days I'm about to continue developing it um, with progress testing, is collaborative work on it. And um, before I used to create a test on my own, but um, right now I understand that, uh, first of all, they might be boring for the students, not all the time engaging. I understand uh, that uh, we are all human beings, we need to be engaged and 
second of all, I understand that when they, uh, for instance, um, may work on one task together with another peer, it might make more opportunities for them to utilize the language. And, uh, as a matter of fact, it's another opportunity for them to speak which is something actually what I do have uh, in one of my uh, set of aims. So this is one of the main aims for me. And um, I think that if we create some opportunities like that for them to, uh, to create learner-generated uh, tests, progress tests, um, probably they might uh, become, first of all, more aware of uh, the process itself. Second of all, they might be more engaged and... Uh, they might even inspire the teacher by providing some interesting apps that might be used or probably some materials and they will show what they are interested in. It will simplify the work of the teacher. Though there is kind of drawback in this approach, what I assume, probably it might work well with vocabulary and uh, testing the vocabulary that uh, students might, uh, might acquire throughout some period of time though um, it might not probably work very well with grammar because let's say if one student didn't uh, understand some particular bit of grammar that was within uh, let's say two weeks within some period then um, it may um, it, it may happen that uh, this test that this peer uh, th this student might create with other peers might uh, uh, not bring such value in order to test something what it should test so with vocabulary, uh, it might be way easier and uh, I can see that it makes sense. Totally. That's that's one of the advantages of online teaching and online testing, isn't it? They can really easily create some tests and they can just send a link and it will be over. And as you said, it will give students some insight into how to prepare some tests and what is being tested or what is being asked in some questions. It's definitely one of the advantages of online testing. And another thing, generally, Ellen mentions this, but I'm going to be the first to mention here, e-portfolios, right? Portfolios are really good in normal, uh, our, our normal classes too. But um, as we read in the book, it is really easy to prepare them and it will be definitely more colorful in online classes. So they can prepare different stuff they can put their videos on in their portfolios they can put some pictures I don't know anything right so it will be more colorful and it's another advantage of online testing I think so portfolios are always good yeah. I absolutely agree with you uh, because e-portfolios might be more representative and uh, by the end of the term uh, we can see that uh, this we, we can assess the students achievements accordingly. We can see what was well done throughout the whole period and uh, what the student uh, probably needs to work on in the future and maybe the teacher might include it further into the program and modify it just according to these uh, to, uh, to these facts. Mm, E-portfolios, it's something what uh, I truly believe might make sense in the long run. And uh, that's something what we shouldn't also be. It's something, by the way, what we can also use as the teachers. And uh, before I used to take some notes and um, putting it just in some chunks uh, according to the topic, though these days I understand the necessity of uh, 
applying some e-portfolios not only for the uh, for my students but also for me personally i understand the benefits of it and i can understand that uh, it's something what uh, in 10 years in 15 years will have huge value yep you just think about yourself and putting every material that you prepared for your classes in a folder it's going to be your portfolio and you're just going to look at it and you will just think that oh i mean i've done lots of great stuff and it's a I don't know, it's a good course or you can just, uh, you know, reflect on your teaching experience and, you know, it's something there. You can see it and you can see the result. It's the same for students too. It will give them a sense of achievement at the end. So. Speaking of a sense of achievement, um, what do you think about follow-up testing? In the book that we've uh, read, uh, I remember that they mentioned the follow-up testing, which made me think of kind of really interesting approach. When first you engage the students in order to create this test and you engage them into this process, and then after they uh, do these two, three tests together, then you can see that uh, it might be a really good idea to give it after some period of time. And I remember that, uh, our brain works in this way that we need to expose ourselves to the same information several times, preferably more than four, uh, in order to acquire this skill and in order to learn it and retain it for the future. So let's say this made me think that I would like to try it because uh, what happened before, I gave the test, let's say it's a progress test, and then I um, use the results in order to build up the follow-up lessons. Though I didn't give the same test again in order to check what they know or probably what else needs to be done in the future. So it made me think that probably reflecting on the results uh, on the test um, within some period of time and uh, follow-up activities might be really useful. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, when you're uh, testing uh, something that they have just practiced, it's it will be just another uh, activity. It, it will be like just another activity that you prepared for them because it's just right after they learned about it, right? But after some time, if you give them another task, they can actually uh, try to memorize and memorize the information and it will um, stay in their memory. It will be there for longer time. I think it's like a, 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 I don't know, a, a longer, more elaborate form of the, the test teach test model that we that we might use in a in a, in a standard class. And I, I think it's nice that it gives the it gives a, a, a greater opportunity for, for reflection and checking understanding. Um, between between the two test phases, yeah, I, I think I think it's a good idea. And like bit like between that time, your students in interlanguage is is going to advance a lot. And so by the time they take the second test, um, they'll be in a much better position. And and I think you're right; they'll be able to see the results in that second test. To wrap it up, we might uh, consider different types just as ideas for our listeners. The test that might uh, be given. And might include the following the uh, quizzes the uh, the quizzes might be fill in the gaps multiple choices um, probably true false not given and yes no some open-ended and uh, 
probably other questions probably should be avoided because uh, then the administration might require more time. Though these are the types that can be easily implemented, introduced into the process of testing. And at the same time, we can even introduce these types of uh, quizzes into collaborative work, as well as for the teacher, it's easy to use the Google Forms, for instance, in order to make up one or two tests. We are not talking about what is good and what is bad here. We just accept different options that we have right now. And uh, let's say we are ready to adapt. We are ready to, um, to use different tools that we have these days. And uh, we wish that uh, you might also do the same. We hope that this podcast might help you not be afraid of online testing and uh, see the pros and cons of uh, different types of online tests. And so here we are at the end of another episode of Fill in the Gap. Thanks everyone for a great conversation and thank you for listening. Feel free to get in touch via email with questions, comments or suggestions for future discussion topics. Check out the description for useful links and contact details. See you for the next episode.